0: Good morning, and welcome here, and to folks who are online, if we're online, I assume we are, welcome to you too. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles for a moment to uh, Luke chapter 22, and we'll be moving around a bit, and you can flip back and forth if you want, but we're going to start there and finish there, so uh, if you just stay there, it'll be okay. Uh, This is our first Sunday of 2023. It's our uh, First Communion this year too. And so I thought it would be a good idea to talk about communion a little because that is a central tenet of our faith. It is one of the most important things we do. We treat it at times as if it was a ritual or a habit. And it is. But that's not always a bad thing. Uh, Habits are... Habits are pretty good. We can have bad ones and good ones. In the book of Hebrews, it says, neglect not the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some. It's a bad habit not to show up. Uh, well, I mean, sometimes you can't, but uh, if you can, don't make a habit of staying home. Uh, a good habits and, and rituals just a second, I think I got them here. Yes, I do. I haven't lost them today yet. This is a set of keys. And I have a habit. When I go in the house, I take off my coat, I kick off my boots, and I go around the corner to the bedroom and I put these keys, and my wallet too, in the exact spot on the shelf that they're supposed to be on. Because when I was younger, I could put them down any place and I could remember where it was. But now, that, that doesn't happen quite so easily anymore. So, for the last 10 years or so, I have put them in the same place, and that's where they always are, so I don't have to think about it. Habits help us to organize our lives. Otherwise, I'd spend a lot of time running around looking for my keys in my wallet. So, a habit's not a bad thing. And communion is a ritual, it's a habit, but it's not a bad one, and I'll tell you why in a, over the next few minutes. It's also an act of obedience. Obedience is not a bad thing either, although it's kind of a bad word in this society today, but uh, obedience is a good thing, and Christ said that we should do this. So, It's an act of obedience, and obeying Christ is never a bad thing. It's not something that we should be ashamed of or casual about. It's a good thing. And we should obey Him in all areas of our life, or strive to obey Him, I should say, in all areas of our life, because none of our lives is perfect in obedience. But we should strive for that. And here's one of the places that we can do it. If you look in Corinthians chapter 11, and I can't remember the verse, but you don't have to turn there, uh, it's also an act of evangelism. You and I are perhaps not great evangelists. I don't have a whole uh, whole buildings full of people that, that I want to Jesus. In fact, I, I'd be hard-pressed to think of anybody that I actually had. But when we participate together, in Corinthians, when Jesus was speaking specifically to Paul, He said to Paul, you do, as often as you do this, this simple table that we share together, as often as you do this, you show forth the Lord's death until He returns. So, it's an act of evangelism. It's an act where all of us can participate in showing Jesus to the world. Whether we're good with words or whether we're not, whether we're adept at at making speeches or whether we're not, we can participate together. And people come to know Jesus because of that. Now, it's also an act of remembrance. When we come together to participate at this table, we're remembering the body of the Lord Jesus broken for us, the blood of the Lord Jesus which purchased our salvation. It's a remembrance. Sometimes when we have a few moments alone, we pause and we we think of people who uh, have influenced our lives that's, remember, it's just not a bad thing. People who are, are gone, they're not present anymore, and, and it's, it's wonderful to go through the ways that they've affected your life. I was thinking about my father the other day. He passed a couple of years ago at the age of 92, and he was not a follower of Jesus. But about 95% of what I know about being a man is uh, I learned from him. And he never told me those things. I just learned it by watching them. You know, you treat your neighbors well, and uh, whether they treat you well or not. Uh, that was a principle he lived by, and it's, it's a good one. I learned that from him. And it's, it's good to remember things like that. It's a time, too, Paul says in Corinthians, for self-examination. We are to look within our own hearts, and deal with those things which we might find there that may be displeasing to God, that may not be fashioning us into the image of Christ. Now, I've heard people say, oh, you shouldn't take communion if you find something in your heart that uh, uh, shouldn't be there. Well, I guarantee you, if you indulge in any amount of self-examination, you'll find something in your heart that shouldn't be there. So, resolve to deal with it and, and come to the communion table. And then don't, don't spend the next five years staying away because you don't want to deal with it. I've seen people who've done stuff like that. You can't be a preacher for 30-odd years without seeing some strange behaviors. But that is not uh, the way to behave. Self-examination is to deal, meant to, for you to deal with things. It's not meant for you to try and avoid dealing with them. So if you got some, find something today uh, that's in yours that you need to deal with, if it's something that can't be done immediately, well, you know what? Resolve that when you leave this building, you will do it as soon as possible. And don't avoid coming to the communion table. It's a time... For communion and identification with Jesus. And that's the main thing I'd like to talk about today. It says, When the hour had come, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of god after taking the cup he gave thanks and said take this and divide it among you for i tell you i'll not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of god comes and he took bread he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me and in the same way after cupper after supper he took the cup saying This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. I like those words in verse 15. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. When Jesus was facing the cross in the next little while, what was the most important thing for him at that moment? It was spending time with his disciples, his closest friends, his people. He says, I have eagerly desired. Another translation would be, puts it, I have passionately desired. Above all else, Jesus wanted to spend an intimate moment with his his followers. And that's why we're here today, to spend an intimate moment with the living and resurrected Savior. What's it like? Well, it's kind of like, let's let's suppose you've been married for uh, 50 or 60 years, as some people in here might have been. Who do you like to spend time with most of all? I hope it's with that other person that uh, you have this long-standing relationship, this very intimate relationship with. That's a passionate desire. You wake up in the morning and, and you can hardly wait till she's awake. And uh, you've, you waste time reading books and stuff like that, right? but you want her to wake up so that you can converse, so that you can talk about something, so that you can say good morning. You can hardly wait for that moment. And I know that in marriage it doesn't always go that way, but that's too bad. It should. That's the way it's supposed to be. Be married for a long time and, and enjoy that relationship above all else. It's interesting that the bible compares the relationship between a husband and wife to the church's relationship with jesus it's intimate it's close it's long standing whereas marriage how did we how do we put it till death do us part well death will bring us into the presence of Jesus more closely than we are now. No matter how good your relationship is with Jesus, it's going to be better once you're there. The Bible says we shall see him as he is. We'll be like him because we'll see him as he is. And that's what Jesus was looking forward to when he sat down, at this table with His followers, that intimacy, that relationship, and that's what He's looking forward to today, sharing with us. Now, it's a little different here than the Passover. We've just got a small glass of grape juice, and there's another cup underneath it with a small piece of bread. Back in those days, uh, they didn't know anything about germs and stuff like that, so uh, they just passed around a big flat loaf. It was probably about this big around and about that thick. And everybody, as they grabbed it, they tore a piece off and passed it along, or else they passed pieces around to the people who were sitting with them. And, uh, and then they took a cup with some wine in it, probably. Uh, probably it was the real thing. Uh, But uh, they took a cup of wine and they shared it, you know, which is, believe it or not, is pretty sanitary, I understand, because uh, uh, the alcohol in it kills the germs. So uh, that was the purpose of drinking it in those days because the water in, in some of those places is not really fit to drink, even today. But now we have different ways of dealing with it. So it was a little different than that. They sat down to enjoy a meal together. And uh, there was even rules. Paul gives rules for behaving while you're partaking. You know, uh, don't get greedy and and eat it all and uh, leave some poor soul with nothing. Share it around. Make sure everybody gets enough to eat. And it probably wasn't the kind of meal we'd sit down to, like turkey dinner at Christmas. It was probably was just bread and wine, maybe a few vegetables, who knows? Probably not too much meat because Christians were usually poor in those days, and uh, they didn't get to see a lot of meat. That was for the rich. That tells you where you are, eh? Because we eat meat as often as we want to, right? Twice a day at least, uh, in my case. But uh, uh, it was to be a a time of of sharing and, and intimacy, both with one another and with our risen Savior. Luke says, And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray together for a moment before we partake. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this emblem, this remembrance of our wonderful Savior who awaits in glory for us and and is present with us today, sharing at this table. Lord, we thank and praise you For your generous grace, help us to to live in it, we pray, because of Jesus. Amen. Let's take together. In the same way, it says, after they had eaten, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the blood of your wonderful Son. Thank you for the, the pardon it has written for us across history. Thank you for the change that it has made in both our eternal destiny and our present lives. Thank you. For Jesus' sake, amen. As we drink together. I wanted to kind of close out the service with one song here. Um, It's Be Thou My Vision. It's a song that I think is a good start of the new year for Christ to be the center, for Christ to be our vision. Um, You know, and and it's a prayer. It's a prayer for, for Christ to be our all in all, for our eyes to be fixed on Him, for our hearts to desire nothing but Him. So why don't we stand and let that be our prayer for us as we go today. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.